1: I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm.
2: mess with me, I'm one crazy
1: moofoo.
0: This brand is truly exciting, I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Sopery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email Littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent ya.
2: Also, little side note, please feel free to check out Little Bean Sopery out in person at the upcoming Monster Mania outdoor Little Mall of Horrors May 22nd and 23rd in Oaks, PA, as they will be bringing some themed items including cauldron bombs, brain scrubs, jiggle soap, any bombed, cold, process soaps. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, the croc, Jonathan Steele.
0: And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles.
2: Boy, do we have a good one
1: for you today. This is R.A. Mihailov, Leatherface, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.
2: This next guest is mainly known as an actor and producer, but also known to have had oceans of Kentucky bourbon and gallons of yingling beer over the years. However, but responsibly, some of the best known projects he has been involved with are Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 from 1990, License to Drive in 1988, Slasher.com from 2017, but also let's not forget a fan favorite, Hatchet Two, which that whole series is also. Awesome. but let's not also forget that he has been a lifelong fan of horror and movies in general let's welcome r.a mihailov
1: and that's what i'm talking about
2: R A., how are you doing and what's going on in your world currently
1: uh i'm doing fantastic uh what's going on i just went and got my newspaper there you go very important, very important, but I love I love that intro. You might be the first one to ever uh, sidebar the o- oceans of uh, bourbon and and uh, seas of, uh, of beer, but responsibly.
2: yes, makes you my kind of guy. So since we brought it up and it's everybody drink responsibly, is there a particular Kentucky bourbon that you like?
1: Yes, sir. That would be evan williams black label why evan williams For two reasons uh, one it is uh how can i how, how can i put this uh nicely it's cheap <laughs> uh, nice. and if i if i understand correctly it's the oldest uh bourbon distillery in kentucky good so, to know yeah but now let, let, let me go back to the cheap part. Okay. As a matter of fact, look what I'm holding. Look what I just picked up off my desk. A barrel bung. <laughs> <laughs> How about that?
2: Just um, so happens to be on a desk.
1: Yeah. Uh, back to the cheap part. I, I get this newsletter. I don't know what it's, I can't remember what it's called, liquor.com or something like that. And one time they sent a list of the 10 best bourbons under 40. dollars And Evan Williams was right there in the in the list. So you must be doing something right. They must be doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny
2: I I keep always talking about some stuff I had in and I'm a uh, Tullamore Dew guy. Irish whiskey. And but there was this stuff in Baltimore. So, yeah, it was funny I I am a Tullamore kind of guy and I always I should probably just call the hotel I stayed at and see if they still had it and could tell me the name. I was in Baltimore one time, and this stuff I had was probably the smoothest alcohol I've ever had.
1: Unbelievable! I don't know how you can get any smoother than Tullamore Dew.
2: That's close. Like I said, but I tried this stuff at a hotel I was staying at one time, and it was like right. Just because it was, it. I got in. They said, "Just so you know, we got an open bar for two hours on the house." Where's Where's this at? I'm in. Drop my bags and.
1: Where, where's where, Where's the hotel? I'm checking in.
2: Yeah, it was an embassy suites. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: tell him more do. That's my St. Paddy's Day drink.
2: There you go. So I got to ask because you were on the road. Uh, was that another convention you were doing or what was going on
1: there? Yeah, yeah, that uh, um, I ended up going to a full moon ho- uh, tattoo and horror festival down in Nashville had a great time you know a lot of my buddies were there Kane was there okay. Bill Mosley Michael Berryman uh, John Dugan Linnea Quigley uh, met the new met the new uh, Michael Myers uh, uh, James Jude Courtney he turned out to be a really cool guy yeah I was uh, gonna ask you that you know. yeah turned out to be a really cool guy
2: <laughs> and
1: had, had a blast man and it came to the came to the realization that weekend that That was the longest period of time I wore boots and jeans uh, in over a year.
2: (laughs) Uh, Obviously, referencing Corona there and not the good stuff. But speaking of that, that you went to Nashville for that show, how was it for you getting back on the road? Because I know you do a lot of shows when you're not acting and producing and you are a fan favorite amongst the convention audience. So how was it getting back into that scene?
1: You know, uh, it was, uh, the show itself was fine and, and and great. It was, but it was the traveling. I, uh, you know, I hadn't gone anywhere. I hadn't gone out of my home County in over a year. So, you know, the traveling wore me down, man. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not used to it. You know, uh, I'll get back. Don't worry. I'll get back into the swing of things. Uh, there's no worry there, but yeah it was just uh i was surprised i got home when i got. well i took after i did the festival in nashville i went up to owensboro kentucky for a couple days uh, for a little r&r there's a barbecue joint up there i really love and uh but by the time i got home man i pulled in my i pulled in my driveway and i sat i just sat there for about a half hour i couldn't move i was wiped out
2: and it's funny and most people don't realize this obviously if you do construction or you do this or you do that certain things that you do on routine, you build a callus to, and that would include a travel. And obviously before COVID and stuff, you're one of those guys who built up a Calisto. Okay. I'm going to be here this weekend. I'm going to be there. I'm going to work on this project. I'm doing, you know I mean? You're
1: constantly mm-hmm. on
2: the go. So that doesn't surprise me that, okay. That first go around that first weekend it's like, it wiped you out
1: yeah well you know uh, you know people uh don't believe this because um uh, you know it's like my good friend uh, director jeff burr uh, that you know that directed uh um chainsaw three i i used to tell him you know when i did a when i did a show i'd be wiped out at the end by the end of the weekend and he'd go oh, come on man all you're doing is sitting at a table signing autographs it's not like that at all man it's 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 you're there You're there to entertain the people. You are there to give them a good experience. Uh, my personal belief is the last person at your table at the end of the day should get the same amount of attention and energy as the first person at your table. So, you know, and also being constantly on for several hours a day. You know, I'm a bit of a hermit. I like to, you know, stay home kind of mind my own business you know Uh, but i have to i have to have to flip do a 180 when i'm out in public you know
2: yeah totally understand that And you're not the first person i heard say that i've heard kane say that i've heard you know because we got a little bit of a show friendship with kane another client of judy's thank you judy for helping us set this up Mm -hmm. but robert england i've heard say that i actually heard mark patton this week on a document, his documentary, screen queen, talk about it. When you're at shows about, there's a certain thing you've got to turn on. When folks come see you, there's a certain bit of Hollywood they want.
1: Well, it was that
2: experience. It,
1: it, you know, it's your obligation to, to the fan base, you know, and you've got to take it very seriously. Uh, not so much. in Well, yeah. I mean, actually at full moon, there were probably four or five people who had never been to a con before they came to my table, at least four or five people. So you bear a responsibility uh, uh, for your own personal, what do I want to say um, dignity or respect, but also uh, dignity and respect for our, our business. You know, you, you must treat people well and make a good impression. Otherwise stay home.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Obviously, there's that part of being a good human being and whatnot. But Mark, when he mentioned that in his documentary, he said, if I'm going to take these promoters money and the business side of things, he said, if I'm going to take these promoters money and everything else, it's my responsibility to come in as a professional and what I'm here to do.
1: Oh, absolutely. Not only the promoters money, but uh, the 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 fans money
2: when they buy autographs and such like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, a few years ago, Kane and I had our table side by side at Monster Mania in Cherry Hill. And there was a kid who'd been hanging out, you know, hovering around our tables, you know, for most of the weekend. And uh, like on Sunday afternoon or something like that, when things were kind of slowing down, yeah. I, heard him t- I heard him talking to somebody and he'd just gotten laid off his job and he was still at the con buying things you know and that kind of i mean that loyalty i guess you might want to call it or or whatever that needs to be uh recognized and appreciated you know Dedicate, you know the dedication of the fans it's it uh we celebrities are nothing without our fan base
2: Exactly. Whether it's an independent movie they're buying or a franchise like Leatherface Texas Three or whatever the case may be or coming out to the shows. It's nice to hear that you are one of the guys, and I knew this previously from folks going to shows and stuff, that you have that respect as a human for the fans. And you mentioned Monster Mania there. You know, that's actually from right up the road from where I'm at in South Jersey currently okay the cherry hill show obviously they do stuff in maryland and whatnot but that cherry hill show is about 10 minutes from where i live currently but is there a particular show that you really appreciate going to obviously there's so many you get, like you said there's the full moon and monster mania there's this one there's that there's a bunch of cons all the time going on normally
1: yeah um I I really don't want to single out any particular con uh, 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 for fear of alienating others. You know what I mean? Um, uh, Each, each con, each con has their own uh, particular set of, uh, I don't want to say values, but you know, their, their own style, their own mood. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like, like children, man, you can't pick a favorite one. Each one's different, you know.
2: I'll put it this way: then, is there any particular show, or have you had the experience that you go, "What the fuck did I sign up for? I'm never coming back to this particular show again."
1: oh uh, yeah, yeah. I call it the Dayton debacle. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember what year it was, but uh, on paper, it sounded like a fantastic show in Dayton. Uh, good guarantee, everything, you know, really good, a lot of good guest list. And it turned out to be to steal a wrestling tournament. It uh, it turned out to be a complete schmoz, Uh, (laughs) you know, it was ill, ill organized. I can't even remember the name of it. That's how, uh, but I won't be going back to it because they'll they'll never have another one. They lost their shirts and I hope they lose everything they own. Uh, you know, uh, they st- uh, they stuck some people for the hotel bill i got threatened to be a arre- i got threatened to be arrested for trespassing at a show that i was a marquee guest they had they had uh he identified himself as an off duty dayton uh, police officer he was working security uh you know plain clothes security and every day at the end of the day i would go demand money <laughs> me and ja- me and jake roberts that's <laughs> we- both the combo, box. there. Yeah, yeah. We'd both go up to the uh, to the box office and demand money because it looked, you know, we, there was no way we we're going to come close to making our guarantees, and we just wanted to get something out of it. And um, so finally, this uh, uh, he was a punk kid, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, he identified himself as a, you know, a Dayton police officer, and he was going to arrest me for trespassing if I didn't, uh, you know. Leave.
2: Oh boy, and I can and I don't know the setup. I can. It makes me think of the joke that Gabriel iglesias would tell, where he would say he was walking out of a theater when he was just starting to get big as a comedian, and cops pulled over. What are you doing? He he was literally walking out of the theater. He would go like, "Yes, we're on camera, folks. So all right, you can see what I'm talking about." He would point at the poster with a picture of him right there. Like, it's cool. I was here. I was working. <laughs> like. But you hinted at the wrestling a little bit with a smaz, then bringing up Jake Roberts, who was a previous guest. Love Jake. Glad he's doing well with everything. But I had read and heard that you actually tried to train at 45 to become a professional wrestler.
1: I did. I did. I went to the same uh, training camp as John Cena at the same time. And, yeah, I was 45 when I finally took the plunge. Um, I, 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 flirted with professional rest. I used to work before I, um, seriously started pursuing an acting career. I used to work on the railroad. Okay. I was a, what they call a Gandhi dancer. That's a trackman, you know, pounding spikes and rolling rail and stuff like that. And, uh, I was a spike driving fool, you know? Uh, but anyway, I, I had this boss uh, on, uh, I was on a section gang. Uh, it means we, we, we travel up and down the track, you know, maintaining the tracks, repairing everything. And, uh, he used to, he, he was a big wrestling fan and I had really long, you know, I had really long uh, hair and a big, you know, beard and he'd go, God damn it. RA, What are you doing? Work stick working on this goddamn railroad. Why don't you go become a professional wrestler? <clears throat> well. Virgil because I have no interest in being a professional wrestler you know I want to be an actor man I didn't tell him that but I said you know so at that time I took a little road trip from where I was at in Pennsylvania to uh uh where'd we go uh Deloitte Wisconsin but on the way there me and my friend Theodore we stopped at a uh steak and ale had dinner and there was some live entertainment, the steak and ale closed, and the, my friend Theodore played harmonica, so he started jamming with the live entertainment. They invited us to go to the uh, the, the cabaret at the Holiday Inn, <laughs> so, so we followed it. Now, this is like 10, 11 o'clock at night. We're on our way to uh, Beloit, Wisconsin. We don't have any hotel to stay in or nothing, you know, so we go with these people to the Holiday Inn. It was really cool, a lot of fun, and I'm drinking and sitting there looking around and I see this guy sitting at the end of the bar. I said, damn it. That looks like the great Kabuki. Uh, Had a few more drinks. Now I was 23 at the time. And, uh, I said, I'm going to go over and find out if that is the great Kabuki. And it was. So, uh, I asked him, you know, I, I started talking to him about getting into wrestling and he offered to help me. Uh, the only problem was I could not square up how to commute from, uh, Pennsylvania, where I was working on the railroad, making what I've considered at the time tons of money, you know, Uh, and and uh, going over to Toledo, Ohio, to train. So I I never followed up on it. Fast forward ten years, thirty three years old, and I'm working over at Universal Studios.
2: And Florida, uh, California, huh? Florida, California. California,
1: California, Universal Studios, Hollywood. I'm doing the A Team live action show. You know, it's a live stunt show. And uh, for some reason, uh, they brought in some of the WWF superstars uh, for meet and greet, you know. So, of course, I had to go right over and start hanging out with them. Big John Studd, Hillbilly Jim, Chico Santana.
2: (laughs) What do you say that. I actually just picked up Chico's book.
1: As you know, I call, oh, don't don't call him Chico. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I didn't I didn't know that. A uh,
2: line from Jesse Ventura.
1: Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I stole that from Jesse. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chico Santana McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, who else was there? Oh, so I'm back. Uh, you know, I'm backstage, um, uh, and I run into Lou Albano.
2: Holy shit, man! He...
1: Lou, Lou Albano comes up to about my. Uh, sternum okay and uh, I stopped I stopped him I said hey Captain Lou the fellow wanted to get in this wrestling business what's he need to do and he first thing he looked up at me and he looked me up and down he goes first thing he said is how old are you I said 33 goes "Well, that's not too old and Lou said did you meet uh, did you meet Red Bastine?" and I said no I didn't here's his card. He's he's, you're, you're in luck. He's opening up a training camp in, in uh, Southern California. Call him. So, uh, now remember I'm doing a live stunt show, like eight, eight shows a day. I'm getting beat up by Mr. T stunt double. Okay. I'm getting, uh, uh, catapulted into the back of a garbage truck, you know, eight times a day after being beat up by Mr. T anyway. So I I was, you know, I thought I was real, uh, real fit, real athletic, uh, Real handy, you know, to use a stunt term. And uh, I was ready to go, man. Uh, here was my chance. Uh, Red Bastine, the, the West Coast representative of Titan Sports, the, the parent company of WWF at the time. So I get a hold of Mr. Red Bastine and arrange to meet him. And uh, he uh, he was late for our meeting. And so I was just I was killing time. And it was at a I don't even remember, like a holiday House spa or something you know, uh, fr- franchise gym and the the kid working the desk was kind of big, you know, if you want to describe him, he looked like a, uh, like, uh, a, uh, a, a, a college football tackle, you know, big broad shoulders, that big head with that flat top haircut and big traps, you know, and shoulders and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm in there. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm here to start my career as a wrestler, you know, he Goes, oh, you're gonna meet you're meeting Red Bastine. I said, yeah. He goes, and then I said something. He goes, yeah. I'm gonna start my career. He goes, yeah. I I I trained with Red. And I went, hmm. Wait a minute. You, this guy trained with Red Bastine. That is, I, I thought it was a you know a a a feeder a feeder uh, thing to the big time, right? So my I, I'm going what why why if you, if you've trained with Red Bastine and you got all these connections why are you working the desk at a uh, at a health spa you know mm-hmm. so met with red and uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm wearing what I was wearing because I, I believe it's pertinent had on cowboy boots kind of tight blue jeans um, I, I don't remember what you know t-shirt and a and, and a leather jacket a, a, a kind of a you know tailored leather jacket so I met with Red and uh, he laid it out for me. And the thing that kind of seemed strange, he never asked me to get in the ring, never asked me to move. Uh, you know, I told him, you know, I told him I was working at the A team live action show. That didn't really seem to have any any uh, bearing on anything. Uh, the, it was going to be $2,500, but the money was not even a concern. I mean, working at doing that A team live action show, I mean, it was, I was making a lot of money. So $2,500 wasn't even a, a concern, but it was the fact that he didn't care. He didn't want to see my build. He didn't want to see my uh, athletic ability or anything. Uh, it seemed like the, the only thing that was important to him is if I had the $2,500 for the eight-week course. So, Funny
2: how I, money seems to do that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I just didn't, I, I had a bad feeling about it and I, I, I didn't go. I didn't, I didn't train with him, you know, maybe, oh, oh, and here's the other kicker. So, you know, the kid, the kid who trained, it, uh, he said, well, I said, so, so have you wrestled? Have you wrestled? And he goes, yeah, man, I had a couple matches up in Bakersfield. Yeah. How much money? How much money? Well, I made 50 bucks a night. Oh, Jesus. I'm going, oh, you got to be shitting me. You know, and he goes, yeah, a couple of my, a couple of guys uh, I went, I trained with, they're down in Tennessee. They're making 500 bucks a week. That's uh, a little bit better, but that was a still fraction of what I was making at uh, at, uh, the at the yeah, so I didn't do it maybe that was a big mistake I don't know um, I just couldn't i felt like I couldn't start at the bottom of another career you know uh,
2: and here's a you know an interesting part because you brought up red's name and obviously as a lifelong wrestling fan I'm familiar with. Red Bastine, and a lot of the names you mentioned. And I'm sure you noticed to tie it back to the acting world. And I got a fi- funny side story with it. Someone within the horror genre actually trained with Red. Are you familiar with who? Say that one more time. Are you familiar with somebody within the horror genre who actually trained with Red as well and had a career in wrestling a little bit?
1: Um, Right off the top of my head, I'd say Tyler Maine. There you go. Yeah,
2: but to the side story with his wrestling career because he was one of the first guests we had back in 2012, and I've lost touch a little bit with Tyler. Great guy, folks. But it was funny go, to go back to the convention scene. He was in Cherry Hill one time, and I we had originally met him when we were based in Florida. So I sent Tyler a text said, "Hey man, it was nice to see you." Yada yada yada, and he knew. I knew of his wrestling career and all that. He goes, he responds on his way back to the airport, leaving the show. He goes, hey, just so you know, you might want to check out an article WWE.com did about wrestlers who became actors and whatnot. So, of course, I go, okay, I'll go check it out. Pull it up on my laptop. And, of course, what's one of the pictures of Tyler that they used from his wrestling days?
1: You shaking your hand.
2: Big ass mohawk. Right. like it says think of flock of seagulls style haircut he had back in the late 80s early 90s during that time period i start horse laughing it, yeah just a you know tyler big old strapping guy the whole bit to see that look on him so i text him dude hilarious look what the fuck's with the hair <laughs> you know ribbon. him yeah. he goes and you know how tyler is okay yeah no problem Get your chuckles in. Fast forward six months a year. We're at a different show. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. Jamming some elbows. I'm all five foot six. Tyler's six five. And,
1: huh. he's, he's, he's six ten.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's a nicest guy in a row. because, oh, yeah, good. Slaps me on the back of the shoulders and everything. And gives me a good little. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, a little stiff, aren't you? You guys. Remember that comment about the hair? Right on. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I said, Roger, that got you. You know, he went to get a little re- return rib on me. Okay. Fair enough.
1: I wonder, uh, I wonder if that's when he was uh uh tag teaming with um um Kevin Nash, that photo.
2: That it probably that error that yeah, you know, when Kevin was breaking in.
1: They were tag team partners for a while.
2: Yeah, it would have been that same time frame. That's for sure. But another thing I saw about you, which I found interesting, that you do on your downtime, is being involved with the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. So is this because you had a lifelong fandom of horror itself, or what led you that direction to Paranormal?
1: Well, um, the way the Hollywood Ghost Hunters began... uh, Kane, myself, and Rick McCullum, who I consider the the instigator of the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> I call him our spiritual leader. We were all doing a movie over in Mansfield, Ohio, at the Shawshank Redemption prison. Really? Yeah. Allegedly, you know, one of the one of the most haunted uh, locations in in the country. So, I had already wrapped, and I think I was already home. Uh, uh, but uh, Rick asked Kane to go ghost hunting during some downtime while they were still on the movie, and uh, as as Rick tells the story, he'd always been he'd been searching his entire life for a stand up ghost hunting partner, but everybody he'd ever taken ghost hunting always uh uh wimped out, you know, and. So he and Kane were down, you know, somewhere in the bowels of the prison and they saw a shadow, shadow man, and uh um Rick Rick turned to Kane to say something, and Kane was gone. And Rick said, Oh shit, I lost that. There's another one. Damn it. I thought Kane would <laughs> then he looked back up and Kane was running toward the toward the entity. So that was the moment that Hollywood Ghost Hunters was born. Um and the reason I believe I got invited to join, um, well, you know, Rick and Kane are primarily stuntmen, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they sat down one day and they realized they needed a pretty face. So they so that. So they brought me in. And uh, uh actually truthfully, up, um I don't know if it's because I've been so Close to. I, I'm. I don't. This is going to sound weird, but I've been close to uh, death, like since I, I was a child. And by that I mean, one of my best friends. Uh, growing up was the son of the town undertaker. Hmm. Okay, so I'd spend hours, you know, hours. At their their apartment was above the funeral parlor. Um, and I'd spend hours there, you know, just like he'd spend hours at my house. And I don't know how y'all do it down there in your part of the country, but when we were kids, we used to have, uh, we call them camp outs, you know, where we'd roll our sleeping bags out in the yard and fight the mosquitoes all night long. And, uh, <laughs> so one time it was, it, it was Phil was his name. It was Phil's turn to host our, our camp out. So we're in the side yard, you know, <laughs> by the funeral parlor started raining so of course we grabbed our sleeping bags and uh uh, took them inside the funeral parlor it's the only place we could go and there happened to be a dead body uh whatever you want to call it on display or lying in state or whatever it is i mean come on man if there's gonna if if you're gonna run into some kind of paranormal activity don't you think it'd be at a uh, funeral Funeral parlor parlor. with with a dead body
2: you know (laughs) exactly
1: and uh, excuse me. So, you know, I, I was close to that. I, you know, I, I kind of, I spent a lot of time in graveyards, just kind of like hanging out. You know, just because they were quiet, and you know, nobody bugged me. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, uh, and then I got, I got to tell you another story. Well, me and my brother were just talking about this in the last week when we were kids. This is sort this it's sort of paranormal, but it's also the groundwork for horror. I think when we were kids, my brother's a little bit younger. So I didn't hang out with him when I was a kid, he had his, 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 uh, crew. And I had my crew, Mm -hmm. we'd go, we'd, we'd ride our bikes out of town. We lived in a very small little town and it's only a two, two lane road in and a two lane road out. So we'd ride our bikes out of town, about three miles out of town to go swimming, unsupervised in a pond. Okay. Uh, and then on the way back, the people that owned the pond also owned a slaughterhouse. Uh, So we would go, we'd go swimming on the way back into town from swimming. We would stop off at the, at the slaughterhouse. We'd go down on, you know, go down on the kill floor, watch them kill animals, grab a couple hot dogs out of the cooler (laughs) and go home. It was, there's nothing weird about it, man. But, uh. You know, it, uh, I don't know if that had any effect on my future life or not.
2: And, you know, it's some people go, and this guy ended up in horror. I can't see the correlation at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, the, 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 child is the father of the man I've heard, heard said, but another it's not horror, but the, the first movie I ever did was a movie called license to drive. Yes. Or, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, uh, not license. moving violations. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh starring, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Murray's younger brother. Uh, um, um, Jennifer Tilly was in it.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, played his girlfriend. So I, I go down, I go down to the studio for my audition and you know, it was okay. They, it was just a you know like a day part doing I don't know I think I was supposed to pitch up pick up a hitchhiker and it was supposed to be the kid Bill Murray you know anyway so I did the audition I walk out Jennifer Tilly comes walking down the hall Jennifer hey right, how are you what are you doing I'm here for this movie uh um um what's the name uh Moving Violations yeah I'm here for Moving vi- I'm here for Moving Violations too. Oh really? Okay, great. I hope you get the part. You know, I said, I'll walk you into your car. I knew her, I knew her for, uh, several years, you know? And, uh, so I, I guess the casting director saw that, uh, and that's why I believe I got the part. Okay. Hey, whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works, you know? So yeah, she saw us all buddy, buddy and palsy and stuff like that. So, um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm dragging these stories out today. I don't know why, man. Uh, all good. Okay. Long story short, I got a fateful call from the casting people. Uh, R.A., we uh, have good news and bad news. The good news is you're still going to get paid. The bad news is um, we, your your part's been cut. Okay, well, you know, I'll, say, I'll take the money, you know. So that, I thought that was the end of it so i'm I'm doing some kind of uh, survival job I was working as a uh, I'm pretty sh- I was working as a furniture mover, you know mm-hmm. and it was a long ass day and I checked my messages uh, yeah, it's the casting director from uh, Moving Violations. Uh, can you come to the rap party tonight <laughs> in Culver City, which was half you know on the other side of town? I went oh my god uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. So I go to the I, I go to the rap party. Uh, the casting director meets me. We talk for a minute. She says, Stay right here. I want I'm going over and talk to the director. She goes over and huddles with the director. His name was Neil, Neil Israel. He looks over at me, goes, nods his head a couple times. And that was the end of that. She came over. Uh, you're gonna be working, you're gonna be playing a pig farmer. They they gave me another part. So the reason I went into this long ass uh discussion speaking about life imitating art my first my first screen actor guild movie part was a pig farmer i used to work on a pig farm when i was a kid
2: man the interesting jobs you had prior to the glorious life of acting and (laughs) the glorious yeah (laughs) You, you got the railroad stuff you had attempted professional wrestling prior to your training with cena you had the the pig farming stuff. It, I can't see where the correlation to any of that stuff. God forbid. Yeah, you know? but uh, would you say when? Because we talked about conventions and stuff earlier. Most people approach you for Leatherface.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, when I do the personal appearance stuff, I mean, I I, I tell the promoters, lead with Leatherface. You know, and if you're going to call a. You're going to call the uh, newspaper the radio station. Don't say we have R.A. Mahalha, Mahalha.
2: Yeah, what I was doing earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: say, we've got Leatherface coming to our haunt on, you know, next, uh, on a weekend in October. Would you be interested in interviewing him? Then you fill in the details, which one, me. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, because let's face it, if we went to the... Um, if we went to the local uh uh Kroger's and asked 25 people who uh, Leatherface was, eh, 22 and a half would know it's that that chainsaw killer from the movie. Uh, if we went to that same Kroger and asked 25 people who R.A. Mihailoff was, about two and a half would go, uh, Who, what, you know, who? from what, you know, so oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm best known for is Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw 3.
2: A little side note, folks, which I found interesting. R.A. was actually the first left-handed actor to play Leatherface. But, you know, it's interesting, and it's probably wore you out during the filming of it, that that saw was somewhere between 80 and 90 pounds. To be whipping that thing around... Like well,
1: you know what? Uh, I was I was this many years old when I found when I uh, found out that I was the first left hand, or was aware of the fact that I was the first left-hander to do it, the movie. I've uh, been left-handed all my life, so it it almost doesn't register. But I knew I knew that I couldn't I couldn't ask for a left-handed chainsaw because it wouldn't fit the uh, the previous stuff. So I just happened. It's just, Jonathan, I just happened to be working uh, uh, construction, building custom homes in Beverly Hills, man. And so once I knew I got the part, I started using all my power tools right-handed just to get used to uh, working right-handed.
2: Makes sense. But, and obviously I didn't see specific details, but before I ask this, I should also mention that because we dropped his name a few times, Kane Hodder was actually the stunt coordinator for this film. So these guys go back a very long way. But what I was going to ask was, from what I had read, because like I said throughout the show, everything on the internet is true. We know that. But the film was submitted apparently to the MPAA 11 times. Do you know what the biggest issue was with them in terms of this movie?
1: Uh, I don't know what... (laughs) I don't know uh, the real specific. Uh, the the they, they seem to have a hard-on against the movie, for one thing. Uh, I remember one uh, one thing I remember them, uh, 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 Jeff, telling me about. This, in the original cut of the film, uh, the little girl, Jennifer Banco, pulls a, 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 a ripcord cord. And it sends the hammer slash uh, slamming into Billy Butler's head. Uh, so she, so this nine-year-old girl, is responsible for a kill on-screen kill. They objected to that uh, a lot. So that was one thing. But yeah, man, um, we we were originally supposed to open on November third, nineteen eighty-nine. I believe if we would have. Uh, opened on our original date. I'm confident that we would have been in the top 10, if not the top five movies of that week, at least as it was, they dumped us, uh, in, uh, mid January of, of, 1990, which is, uh, that's the traditional dumping, uh, uh, time, you know, for movies that are kind of like, you know, given up on uh as it was we opened up at number 11 you know mm-hmm. So we just missed the top 10 um so yeah you know i uh
2: well and i'd I, be sorry go ahead
1: uh, i i don't know what the problem was with the mpaa i think they just they i think what it was i think they objected to the human on human violence and that's why you know like uh michael myers jason freddy they all get a uh a, a, a A broader palette of violence to work with because it's all supposedly supernatural but ours was human on human violence you know so Mm -hmm. i think that was one of the biggest issues
2: you know it's funny because you mentioned him as well jeff burr the director and i know you're close with him to this day but from what I understand, he was actually fired towards the beginning of the production, but ended up when nobody else would take the job, they brought him back. Well, what was the, it they got rid of him for, from what you heard?
1: I don't know. I, all, all I remember was, uh, I, I was, I was sitting in my truck, sipping a beer, you know, in the, in the morning, because that was, that was my quitting time. And, uh, He came up to me and he said, hey, man, I I just got fired from the movie. I didn't ask him why. And I don't know if he volunteered why. But um, I said, Jesus, Jeff Uh, said, uh, listen, man, do you want me to quit? I'll quit. If you want me to quit, I will quit, too. Goes, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Just, you know, finish the movie. So that was like probably. On a Friday or whatever, you know, just it was before a couple days, whatever it was, it was a couple of days. Uh, it was the day before, you know, a couple of days off. And when I went back to work, uh, you know, the next time he was he was back in, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know if I like. You know, we hang out a lot. I usually uh, roll by his place at least once a year to hang out, and uh, I don't know if we've really ever talked about the specifics. You know,
2: whether it was volunteered or not, but let me go back to the uh, MPAA for a second here. Obviously, you didn't know all the specifics you mentioned, particular kill and all would bill Billy and such. But and I know you might be biased, but are you one to focus about that side of things as far as as far as rating or stuff? Or are you a guy that, hey, I was brought in to do this whether it be stunts or act or whatever the case may be. And you just worry about that.
1: Uh, The latter. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't my place. It wasn't my assigned duty uh, to worry about any of that stuff. You know, I was, I was there, I was hired and brought there to portray a character. And that's, that's what I did. Um, You know, I wasn't an associate producer. I wasn't a producer. I wasn't the writer um you know so i had no uh authority to really weigh in on that stuff you know
2: yeah you were brought in as the character so
1: as an actor yeah as an actor
2: yeah because i know sometimes actors can get a little spun up as far as well what about this and what about that let's stick to what was on the script you know
1: yeah yeah also you know it, it depends on how how deeply you are into the the power pyramid you know mm-hmm. if you are if you are a, a name actor and the success of the uh film rides on your name then yeah i think you 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 have the leeway to be more involved you know but let's face it i was just a hired hand
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'll tell you at that point I'll t- here's a little sidebar. Uh, how much of a hired hand I was. So I didn't have a very good agent at the time. She was actually uh, pretty bad. Uh, and uh, so one day I'm, I'm, I'm driving up to the, to the set and it was, you know, about an hour drive and I had a lot of time to think. And I'm, well, uh, here I am playing the title character of a sort of major character. Uh, major minor studio you know uh released. why am i working for minimum wage which was uh, scales what they call it in the business uh it's good you know it's decent money but I, you know it's nothing like star money or anything like that so i'm thinking why am i you know i'm playing the title kit shouldn't i be making you know a little money? bit more on
2: the scale there yeah
1: yeah so i call her up and i said hey you know that's the deal what do you think she goes let me call them and find out so before I get up to the set, she calls me back. She goes, here's what they said. Uh, take what we're offering or we'll get the next big guy in line. So, you know.
2: Well, obviously, yeah, that's the shrewd part of the business of anything, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But again, I know you're a little biased on the, on this particular film and the franchise, but out of they've done the original one and part two, Caroline Williams is a friend of the show who made an appearance in yours as a news reporter. Then they've done the stuff in the early two thousands, early to mid two thousands. Where do you think your film ranks amongst, I guess you call it canon of.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put it right where it it it's it, in its numerical order. I believe, you know, we're right there. Uh, the third one, in my opinion, you know, um, and you know, actually, uh, Gunner, uh, Bill Johnson, and I did a, uh, a a photograph the three of us. So we call, you know, we've always called ourselves the 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 three original Leatherfaces, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I place I place Leatherface Chainsaw Three at number three spot. That's my personal opinion that's my personal bias i know there's probably thousands of people out there that would uh you know argue with me um i will say this um i if there was a movie that i wanted to hate and absolutely wanted to see it uh crash and burn would have been the 2003 remake why is that well because they didn't even bring me in to see if i was still uh alive you know they to see if i was still breathing. It just boom you know it was done and um so i i i felt uh i guess uh slighted you know Uh, i mean christ they could at least brought me in and you know let me talk to them and they could you know not hire me because they hate my guts rather than just ignore me you know so that one i wanted to uh, see crash and burn just out of bitterness but i have to i have to say in all honesty, I thought I was pretty damn good.
2: But comes back to that thing, a little bit of a running theme we got from this conversation I'm taking is common courtesy and respect human to human there. Taking the business side of things out of this. But final question for you, and I know you've talked about this previously, but, and I know I mentioned it early on during the intro, Hatchet 2, you ended up Again, working with your old buddy, another theme, Kane Hodder here, and co-founder of the Hollywood Ghost Hunters, Rick McCullough's in there as a stunt guy and actor. But I always appreciate it, and I can't think in the movie that it was a nod to from your fight scene. What I end up doing a curb stomping, and we see your head do the little spin yeah. and everything along that line. You know, how was it to be able to say? was it very loose as they would say wrestling wise in working with Kane first stunt or was that one of those we're gonna bring it with each other here
1: oh uh, you mean the 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 aspect of that fight
2: yeah putting that fight together
1: oh uh, we spent a we spent a full day uh, uh working out that fight uh, 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 um, choreographing it filming it and everything like that um everything pretty much was. You know, it, it was it was marked out by beat. Actually, you know, uh, the the only thing that happened that wasn't in the script, I busted the uh, the cupboard door on Kane's head.
0: No,
1: no, no. I wasn't I was I wasn't supposed to bust it, but uh, <laughs> he's got a cement head. So, but uh, no, that was that was a very meticulously planned uh, plotted out we started talking about it the day before, you know, we, uh, me, Kane, Rick McCollum, few of the other boys, for some reason, my dressing room became like the hangout. So everybody, uh, you know, conglomerate in my, in my dressing room. And so the day before we started, you know, talking about it and figuring out what we were going to do and everything. And, and then when we actually got on, on this, on the set, uh, you know you can talk about it you can you can talk about it for hours you can draw diagrams for days you can uh, uh you know imagine every every beat of the fight in your mind but once you get on on the stage itself it's a it's a different animal you know so mm-hmm. so we spent you know probably half the day uh rehearsing it you know and you, you also have to rehearse it for camera too you know so they know where to cover, you know, where to get coverage and things like that. But yeah, it, it was pretty much, um, you know, all planned out.
2: Part of that questionnaire, were you guys laying it in, like, just to give each other little shots, not mm. not in a bad way, but you know what I'm saying, just kind of yeah.
1: working a little stiff. Yeah, no, not not really. Uh, you know, um, like I said, the only the only, I guess, if you want to call it a, a, a mistake, was when I. Yeah, I, I hit him a little too hard on the head with the, with the thing. Um But no, I mean, Kane actually tore his bicep like early in the day. Uh, but you know that tough son of a bitch kept working all day. He kept he finished the whole movie uh, with a torn bicep. But he, we did he did that fight scene practically that entire fight scene with a torn bicep.
2: I did not notice it. I'll have to text about it, you know, because like I said, Kane's a buddy of the show and stuff. But do you know if he ever got that repaired after the movie or?
1: You know, that is. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I.
2: Because, you know, that's one of those weird injuries that sometimes people get it fixed sometimes, you know what I mean?
1: It doesn't, you know, if if you do not get it repaired, it doesn't impair your strength at, at all, really. Uh, And you get a really, you get a really good bicep peak. Uh, But I think he probably, I don't know. Uh, I think he must've gotten it repaired because, well, I don't, okay. I don't go around looking at his arms all the time, you know. No.
2: no. (laughs) But Uh, yeah, just doing what he does, you would think you'd want the full range of that being fixed.
1: Yeah. But you know, I've known so many guys, so many, uh, professional wrestlers, so many barroom brawlers, so many stuntmen that have torn uh bicep insertions, you know, and ha- half get them fixed and half don't.
2: Yeah, it just depends on what you you yeah, know, that's for sure. But when people bring up your name, and obviously we mentioned that most people at shows and stuff at the appearances know you for a leather face. Is there something that most wouldn't think of off the top of the bat that when they bring up your name that you want people to remember you for?
1: Um just being a decent guy. First,
2: let me ask this as we close out here. Is there any up we know you mentioned about doing the show in Nashville and everything starting to up and go again. But is there anything up and coming for you, whether it be appearances or movie projects or whatever the case for you?
1: Um, you know, it it, it it was a brutal year last year. Yes, it was. I, I, I was on book to have my best year ever. I had three movies lined up. I had I had shows at least probably one a month starting in May of last year. Uh, everything started to collapse like dominoes. Boop, 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 and it was a total wipeout. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to rebuild the calendar. You know, uh, I'm doing a show in Gettysburg. I'm doing. Oh, scare- where's that
2: Gettysburg show?
1: Um, mm, August, early August. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the date. I think maybe like the first or second weekend of August. Uh, um, I'm doing Scarefest in Lexington in October, which is another good show. Oh, one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, everything, my calendar is so jumbled up right now. I can't, I, I, I can't, Oh, uh, doing Texas Frightmare weekend. Uh, I can't, I can't remember what weekend,
2: you know, it's funny. I heard that's again, another one of those that I've heard is top notch Texas Frightmare.
1: Oh yeah. I'm looking for, I've been, I've been wanting to do that show for years. So you haven't
2: done that one before? No never yeah I've heard from both talent and fans on both sides they say that's one of the better shows to go to
1: oh yeah I've, I've heard that too and more importantly uh, there's the catfish house on route uh, on Interstate 20 <laughs>
2: <laughs> look at look at you basing it yeah because you mentioned it earlier you went to that show after the show in Nashville you went down to the barbecue place. Yeah. For a couple of days. So yeah. I love how you reference where you go with food.
1: You know, it, it, it's very important. Sometimes just uh, as a uh, as a, uh, a a goof or a joke, I will put I'll put a writer in my contract. You know, uh, if I'm in say I'm in uh, doing a, a show in uh, Baltimore. OK. Uh, promoter must take uh, artist to chap's pit beef for one meal. You know. <laughs> Have you ever I, been to Chaps Pit Beef?
2: I have, but I love that creativity putting that shit in a contract.
1: Yeah, you know, it's just for goof. I don't make anybody, uh, you know, adhere to it, but, you know, like, like. Um...
2: That, that seems like that'd be something you would try to catch them.
1: Do they actually
2: read the agreement, or, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. sometimes, oh, let's just get this guy in. Nope.
1: Yeah. The, what, what, one of the best um there's a there's a, oh uh, it, if they open this year uh and i've got my fingers crossed that they do pinhead's graveyard um in uh, outside of Asheville, north carolina i'll be doing that um uh, um i used to also as as a uh, as a contract um what do i want to call it um uh ploy or whatever i would i would always put a writer that said uh um uh, company agrees to uh uh drive drive uh artists by limo to all official events. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, you know, so that was yeah. If I'm out on my own, that's fine. But if I'm going to one of your events, you want me to go to the radio station, you gotta take me in a limo. Nice. So 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 one of the own first time I made contact with the people from uh Pinhead's graveyard who are now my very very dear friends uh they scratched out the line limo and put uh, a 2011 mustang (laughs) 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 and that's and that's what that's that was the son's car and i thought that was the funniest damn thing and (laughs) nice you know and like i said that's that sense of humor and endeared me endeared them to me and likewise and i've been you know i've been going there for years
2: yeah it's funny as as you were talking about riders there i was actually texting Kane, so i'll actually let you know if about the the, the the bicep thing yeah yeah you
1: know, yeah, like, you know I, it, I don't know man i mean I'm, he's got big arms man
2: uh yeah that was one of those i want to you know let me text him now that way I, yeah, off, I,
1: I don't okay, forget here's my gut feeling i i think he probably got it uh reattached
2: yeah so folks as because i probably won't have an answer right away which is all good we'll take over under bets for when you hear the episode so because i'm not gonna break hipaa and give out his uh medical information but we'll just see right. what he says in his unique cane entertaining ways yeah in the text but RA, right, where can people find you besides the shows that you said were upcoming? Are you how are you social media wise or a website or anything like that?
1: Uh, I've got a website that's never going to be completed, <laughs> but uh, I am. Uh, uh, I'm on Facebook a lot. Okay. So you know, if you're really serious about getting a hold of me. You can always drop me a message via Facebook.
2: Yeah, so you do that little gimmick, folks, for those who aren't familiar with Facebook. You do a search, type in Ari's name, and don't, just don't be a complete jack off like I've seen with certain horror stars in the past couple of days as far as messages and shit. So if you're going to reach out, don't be a complete jack off. Oh, no, there was, and I'm, I'm not going to drop a person's oh, name. Oh, uh, oh talent-wise, publicly, but yeah. they've been... unfortunate, and it's funny that because it's almost like a sense of entitlement, I would say, that people reach out to folks like yourself or other franchises and think they have the right to say whatever the hell they want to people.
1: Well, you know, if somebody sends me a message, I try to answer it. I don't... Uh, quite frankly, I don't want to spend hours in in long protracted conversations via social media you know yeah but uh i don't mind you know a quick question you know
2: yeah but you know some of the folks i'm hinting at they uh were very inappropriate eric you know it's just don't be a jack off if you're gonna reach out that's all i'm getting at yeah you know ra thank you so much
1: thank you for having me on your show and uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a, a lawnmower outside my window right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't heard mine going off because yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah,
2: I got yeah. a service that comes in.
1: Yeah, Make, this makes the perfect bookend uh, and stopping point. So I've enjoyed talking to you very much. I'm glad we finally uh, were able to coordinate this thing. Yes. And uh, thank you.
2: SignatureHorror.com. That's right, SignatureHorror.com.
1: Hey, this is Kane Hodder. You are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Keep listening. Or else.